Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your podcasting. Uh, Zach, I gotta, I gotta get over this, man. I, I, trio, trio just seems so lame. We're so triad more than that. Trifecta. We are your the big three. Ah. We are your podcasting pandemic. (laughs) We will catch on and there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know about the marketing of this. I'm going to rethink that. Stop into the fridge when you're in Manhattan. You know you can still go into the fridge. That other guy that we had on our podcast, I can't recall his name, said that it was likely the fridge would be closing. They never closed. Never, ever. You can go into the fridge right now. I think they limit the number of people inside. Uh, and if, I, if it's me, it's just me. Yeah. But that's typical pandemic or not. I get to be the only shopper. And then they, like, uh, put rose petals down wherever I go. It's really nice. Get into the fridge. Wholesale liquor right here in Manhattan at the corner of this and that. You can find it. Uh, you get that Google thing on your phone. Uh, you push the right buttons, and it'll drive you right to the fridge. It's like magic for your liver. Yeah. Get into Tanner's when you ever this pandemic ends. If it ever ends. Maybe maybe this is the new normal. We're all just going to sit in our houses and talk to each other via Zoom. Maybe this pandemic was sponsored by Zoom. And Zoom uh, is taking over the world. And they've done it in a very backhanded way. But I'm going to get to Tanner's as soon as I can. I miss the people. I miss the food. I miss the sports. Uh, I miss the uh, the restroom. I don't miss the restaurant. I just made that up. I just trying to add a fourth thing. And by the way, we're having a 60% off special right now at GoPowerCat.com. It ends on Thursday, midnight Eastern. Don't mess around. Sign up for GoPowerCat.com. We're continuing to flood the site with incredible K-State coverage. Getting a little creative, podcasts, inside information. But we're still there. We're still cranking it out. And it's a perfect time to take advantage of this current environment out there and grab this special and join GoPowerCat.com. Zach, how are our questions this week from Wabash Station? Pretty good. I had a few from last week that I forgot to lock the thread, and we got some extra questions in late, so I've added some of those in. So we've we've got a solid podcast in front of us. Well, why are we messing around? Let's get going. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. Starting us off is King Jim 77. What should we all be drinking to numb the pain of losing Donovan Williams? 
Ah, water. Just cleanse that system, man. Just cleanse it out. Gills, I'm I'm interested in your take on this Donovan Williams thing as the new guy on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be clear. Williams, he committed silently to Kansas State on Thursday of last week. You have the quotes to prove it. I do, yeah. And he seemed like a really good guy. You know, I was enjoying talking to him. He told us that he everything was announced, but it wasn't public. So he was a Kansas State Wildcat. And then Sunday is when things started getting weird. A lot of sources were saying Williams would become a cowboy. Sure enough, on Monday, he announces that he's going to Oklahoma State. So that's, you know, he committed to Kansas State. We need to get that straight. He, I don't know, I haven't been in this business for forever, but that's odd. And I know Dejuan Gordon kind of did the same thing, but I think it was a couple of weeks and it wasn't just a matter of days before he goes and changes like that. But, you know, we got to remember Williams went to Nebraska at first and then he ended up decommitting there because there was a coaching change and there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally normal. But Fred Hoiberg is a pretty damn good coach. You know, he would, he was very successful at Iowa state, um, got a spot in the NBA, didn't work out, but still Fred Hoiberg knows what he's doing. Um, I'm not saying Williams is a bad kid at all, but if, if, you know, Fred Hoiberg can't get a hold of him, if Bruce Weber loses him, I don't want to say it's a blessing in disguise for Kansas state, but we've already got five really good freshmen that are coming in. If you've got six, I mean, that's just too many. So it sucks that we missed out on him, but you know, he had an ACL tear in high school. I think it's not the end of the world. If you're a Kansas state fan, I'm not drinking anything yet. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm fine with this. Uh, you know, I think it, unfortunately a lot of fans were fired up because he had committed and everyone kind of knew he was a secret commit. And, um, when we're flipping our crystal ball picks out of nowhere to Kansas state, that kind of tells everyone what was going on there. Uh, even though he had requested we not say anything publicly. Kids do this. They're 17, 18-year-old kids. This is their lives. They're, they're trying to figure things out as they go. they got to find the right place for them. It's clear he wanted to go to Oklahoma State. Uh, they didn't have an opportunity for him. And then the change of commitment of another kid from the Oklahoma State to uh, Auburn opened up the spot, and there he goes. It's unfortunate, but you know this is like everything else for me. Let's look at the opportunity here. I mean, there's an opportunity now for Kansas State to go out and identify someone else that might fit their needs a little bit better. I'd like to see another athletic forward, whether it's from the transfer portal or or junior college. And I think kind of focusing on the upper class might be the best idea right now. They're so young. They're just so young. If you can go get another junior or a senior, um, I think that's the best use of the scholarship. And let's be blunt here. In the past, when they picked up some of these late pledges from kids, they just haven't worked out. For the most part, they haven't worked out. And the problem is some of them have lingered on the roster for way too long after it was clear they weren't going to work out. So go get a grad transfer. Although that doesn't seem like a game these K-State coaches play very well. They don't seem to be that in tune to the grad transfer market like you would hope they would be. Uh, So maybe they can go find someone that will fit in, fit their needs. Uh, there's probably some Juco guys that are still falling through the cracks and, uh, just see where that takes you. I'm, I'm, uh, optimistic that they will still find someone in this strange environment because I think some kids have lingered longer on the market because of an inability to take visits. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think it reflects poorly that K-State was the number two choice. And as soon as Oklahoma State broke up with its girlfriend, 
uh, K-State got dropped. That's basically what happened. And it's unfortunate. Uh, it doesn't look good. It was a victory. I think K-State fans needed Bruce to win, uh, and it didn't happen, but so be it. Uh, don't don't jump off the cliff. We've seen this happen over and over in the recruiting game. You lose out on a kid, and it turns out to be not a big deal. And, of course, we've seen it the opposite way, where you lose out on a kid, and he turns out to be a pretty good player. Uh, uh, I do find it intriguing that when Hoiberg took over Nebraska, he just didn't have a great interest in Donovan Williams, who was right there in Lincoln. That kind of sets off an alarm bell and always has with me, but maybe yep. they just didn't mix. Maybe they didn't fit the system, whatever. Uh, and this recruitment process uh, by him just was a little bit, um, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a needy process where he constantly needed affirmation. We'll see how it all adds up. I I just don't, I don't accept the fact that Casey didn't get this guy because they're not consistently winning. How does Oklahoma State fit that? Oklahoma State absolutely doesn't fit that. They've gone out and put together a great recruiting class uh, in the midst of losing seasons or down seasons, and it just makes you kind of scratch your head what's going on there if something weird is going on. I'm certainly not making that accusation, but it would be awfully bold and daring of Oklahoma State to get into the gray area of recruiting too much right now when they're already got a big cloud hanging over them with the uh, FBI investigation. So we'll see. Don't get too worked up. It, it sucks. But onward, let's see what this opportunity brings, and maybe it'll be a good impact player that has a positive impact on this team. I would like an upperclassman to bring some veteran leadership to the process. From KSU Cat 80, why can't we win recruiting battles such as the Donovan Williams battle? Well, we did win him. <laughs> <laughs> he won for a little bit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I guess it's time for some straight talk. I don't think Bruce is a dynamic personality in the recruiting process. He's not a dynamic personality in the media process. Why would he be on the recruiting trail? I think he's a really good man. He can make some connections out there. If he fits what a player's looking for, that's great. But there are other coaches that are slicker, other coaches that can come across as more sincere because maybe they're they're faking it. You know, I think Bruce, if you're a parent, Bruce is a good person to trust your child with. But um, I I don't know that he's going to ever go out there and swing for the fences and win a ton of these battles, guys. I just don't see it. I don't – I mean, just in dealing with him and media opportunities, I don't think there's a clarity in communication that you need uh, in the recruiting process. And I think that clarity – lacks in a lot of areas of this program. So um, it is what it is. He's going to have to go find the right kids for him. Bill Snyder lost a lot of recruiting battles on upper echelon kids and still won a ton of football games. Go find the kids that fit what you need. My concern here is that I don't see them really identifying exactly what they need or want. The inability to find shooters, the inability to find leadership, uh, those things, uh, that vacuum in the program – they don't ever seem to fill. I see this a little differently. Yes, I understand the question. I appreciate the question. Yes, K-State loses a lot of recruiting battles. But this one, really, K-State won. It wasn't until JT Thor left for Auburn that opened up the spot at Oklahoma State where Williams was like, well, that's where I wanted to go. So as much as it sucks to lose Williams, I don't see this as being the big loss that everyone's kind of making it out to be. K-State still has a great class coming in. 
this isn't really about losing a battle as much as it was, you know, somebody else made a decision that, you know, the dominoes kind of fell this way. So I, I'm not as upset at, at this as a lot of other people might be. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. And I think that the question that we should be asking is how does Bruce Weber get the best out of his recruits? Because he's gotten really damn good recruits, but he doesn't develop them. So that's probably the main question for me um, throughout his time at K-State. I agree. I agree. It's not, you know, you can see some players that have really developed. Uh, DJ Johnson starts off that list as one of the first Bruce Weber recruits, and Barry Brown certainly is on that list. We need to see that now from this group, the three sophomores, the five freshmen. We need to see this acceleration. I guess there's four sophomores now. Um, and let's let's see some accelerated growth from the guys in the program, and hopefully Shane Southwell will have an impact on that. Well, Fitz, you stepped all over the rest of the Donovan Williams questions already. So, And you mentioning South, Shane Southwell brings us into this next question from your mama. Were you surprised when Shane Southwell said that there wasn't much difference between Frank and Bruce? Are there any Pinocchios on that one? <laughs> yeah, there are. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's be honest. Um, Bruce can yell at you in that voice. And it's different than Frank yelling at you with the stare. I mean, the the stare alone is intimidating because Frank actually transforms into an axe murderer for one second and then comes back from the brink. Um, it, there's a whole different level of intimidation from Frank Martin and Bruce Weber. And I think we see it reflected on the basketball court with the, the sense of discipline that sometimes the two teams have had. Uh, not to overblow what Frank did, but if you watched the Xavier game, you saw that, the execution and how things were run. Uh, guys knew how to run the plays. I mean, that's an ongoing thing that bugs the crap out of me about this coaching staff. Why does a coach need to micromanage every play called? Why don't they know how to run the damn play? Uh, I just don't understand that. But uh, I, I have said this from the start. I think Bruce Weber got more out of that team, his first team at Kansas State, than Frank would have, simply because they all carried the principles and the discipline and the locker room left over from Frank, and then Bruce added the stuff Bruce adds. Uh, and in that case, I think it meant a little bit uh, less tough love. I mean, a little yelling, but less intimidation. I think uh, Bruce was able to capitalize on that, and he's done that in the past with, at Illinois. Uh, he's a master at it, and I, I don't think we should look down on him because he's able to win with someone else's players, but you would like to see that balanced out with uh, consistent winning with your own players. Uh, and he did win a Big 12 title, and that's a good sign, but you can't just have the roster fall off the end of the earth like it has. From Way Out Wildcat on Twitter, at the micro level or at a micro level, what is the ceiling of football and basketball given our current recruiting trends, sports funding, facilities, AD, and coaches? Can we compete with the Blue Bloods in either sport, or will we always be nipping at their heels with the periodic upset? I think we've seen at Kansas State, in terms of football, that it's not a fluke season. I mean, K-State won 11 games six out of seven seasons in one stretch. I think it's possible to put it together. It's going to take uh, a lot of building because that doesn't happen with one class in football. You got to build it all the way through the program. You got to be really solid from top to bottom. It's hard to maintain that at a Kansas State. It really is. 
I, I don't think it really comes down to resources in terms of uh, stadium size or budgets or any of that. I, I think that just comes down to really executing your recruiting plan over and over and over and then getting players into the program and developing them. What happens at Kansas State if Michael Bishop doesn't come? I mean, do they, does it ever kind of turn the corner? So it, in some ways it takes that, that player, that guy. I, I identified Michael in my uh, podcast with him as a transformational figure, and he really was. So I, I don't think it's fair to say that Kansas State can ever become an Ohio State, uh, Michigan, a Texas an Alabama, you can go down the list of what we would identify as traditional powers. And I'm talking football right now. It just doesn't happen. You, you don't join that club. I think the last programs to join that club were Florida State and Miami. And they did that because of the shift in population. The demographics of the United States shifted down into Florida so much. What about Clemson, though? Uh, you know, Clemson's had some history. That's a good point. Clemson's kind of in there now. Um, Clemson is a program that uh, has always had good teams, and now they've kind of taken it to the next level. Um, and they found the right coach. They found the right players. They're recruiting at a high level. There's some real similarities between Clemson and Kansas State, but not in population and recruiting base. Clemson's in a small town, but it is surrounded by many, many more recruits. And, and I've always said this about Bill Snyder, that if you look through the history of college football, it's hard to identify a coach who has ever had that kind of lingering success with less recruiting base. We're not talking Penn State, which is in a small town, but in a huge population area. We're talking about the state of Kansas that doesn't produce uh, enough players out of high school on a regular basis to stock one roster, let alone, you know, two or three. It was three before Snyder came. And Wichita State dropping football played a role in K-State's growth because all of a sudden uh, you can go through the list. There was different ones when they were younger, but B.J. Finney, Jonathan Truman, guys that had a big impact at Kansas State uh, came as walk-ons and ended up stars would have gone probably to Wichita State on scholarship. But anyhow, you know, the base in Kansas was junior college. Coach Snyder did a good job supplementing with that, but still it's remarkable they were able to do with what they did without a recruiting base. And what it took was incredible development, incredible recruiting, being able to identify 16-, 17-year-olds for what they'd be when they're 20, 21. And I see those similarities with Chris Kleiman, but there has to be a persistence and a consistent effort about that uh, that really, really dropped off for Kansas State as Snyder got a little bit older and began to sense that he could win with what I, whatever he had. And I think that was a false hope. He, he won a lot of games, but he wasn't able to compete at the highest level. Basketball's different. Basketball, you can join the club. Gonzaga, I mean, you can join the club. Uh, you know, And in some ways, you've got to become a darling of ESPN. Uh, they push so much of their agenda. And you look at that 1988 KUK State game, that was right when ESPN was beginning to grow its influence, and all of a sudden Kansas goes to the Final Four, wins a national title, and K-State after losing in Auburn Hills just fell off the end of the map. And just, they just went into dormancy for years. And that was specifically the wrong time to do it in the ESPN era. 
So I don't know. I, I think it's very possible in basketball uh, to get in there, to join that club. And one of the reasons why I think it's more accessible in basketball is in some ways, in some ways in the past, you know, five, ten years, you've been better off if you didn't get the five-star one, one-and-done kids. If you could build through the entire, you know, four-season recruiting process. And, and that's very accessible for Kansas State. And you look at a Baylor that is now consistently producing pretty good teams under Scott Drew, which is amazing. Kansas State can do that. Um, and it's not about – in basketball, it's not about location and access to recruits as much. I mean, you are an advantage if you're in Chicago or near Chicago or Atlanta or one of those hoops areas, New York City certainly. But um, it's easier in basketball than football. But uh, success is attainable. Joining the membership of the gilded, wonderful – Historic programs? No, that's not going to happen for Kansas State. But it would be well advised in this as this new phase of possible conference realignment nears if Kansas State got both sports rolling. From Purple Powerhouse, what are you hearing about Chuck Lilly so far? Will K-State be increasing the size of the recruiting staff even more? I loved how people caught the, the comment from him uh, when Ryan Blackett, our friend over at the Manhattan Mercury, spoke with him that he was one of like 10 or 12 guys in the Clemson recruiting staff. And now he's like one of two that, you know, K-State, that's an area where K-State can compete. They can get that number up and maybe it'll be just young guys looking for their first job. Uh, but that's fine. Or maybe there'll be a guy like Michael Bishop introduced to that room or, you know, I, I just think there's some areas that the K-State can get into that are more cost effective than uh, other areas. And one is in, Increasing the ability of uh, a group of guys or gals to break down and evaluate film and and, uh, be effective in that area. I hope he has a big impact. I think he will. I think any any help that Taylor Brack can get is going to be an assistance. But I think having someone who's recruited at a high level, evaluated talent at a high level, uh, and surf through a lot of film, you know, it's – He's probably seen a lot of good players that he knew Dabo Sweeney wouldn't recruit for whatever reason that might fit Kansas State's mold. So I'm very hopeful about it. I really am adding to this recruiting staff, and Kansas State continues to add to the social media side. But I think really getting into the nuts and bolts of football is an important step. And and what's happening right now in the world of college athletics, uh, college athletic programs are going to have some serious financial issues, as will the universities as a whole. But uh, no sports, no fans means no money. Uh, so it's a difficult, difficult time. Last question of the first half from Fullis Nelson. Will Chris Kleiman push for a North Dakota State matchup in the next five years, or will he continue to separate himself from his former school? Kills, what do you think? Do you think that's a good idea to play North Dakota State? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that's something that you usually see. Do you? No, I, I don't think it'd be healthy. I don't think it's good for... Matt Enns or whoever's the head coach, North Dakota State. There's other programs they can play out there. I, I think that's a no-win situation for Chris Kleiman. Either he takes a loss and it's a severe, dramatic step back for his K-State program, or he hands a loss to North Dakota State. I don't, I don't see that. Um, and I don't see that most coaches do that, that they seek out matchups with their former institution. That just seems a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but, yeah, I – I understand the point. I think he's going to be really cautious about any FCS matchup 
what I mean is, is he going to elevate someone if, you know, if he takes on a South Dakota State and they beat Kansas State? Does that elevate North Dakota State's rival? I think he's just going to be really cautious about it and and uh, schedule whatever works best for Kansas State. But he's not going to want to damage North Dakota State. I just don't see that at all. I don't want to lose to them again. No. Who does? I mean, poor North Dakota State, nobody will play them. They've had too much success to be scheduled. I'd like to see them get a Clemson. I'd like to see that. I mean, you look at a program like Alabama, they're willing to line up with anyone in November. You know, they'll, they take on FCS programs or really bad FBS programs in the middle of November. I don't know if a North Dakota State could do that, but I'd love to see it. Well, that's it for the first half of the PowerCat podcast. We'll be right back on the other side with more of your questions from Wabash Station. Stay locked in. The PowerCat podcast will be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We had a little Zoom crash at the end of the first half. It was a disaster. I think we're all okay. I don't think any of us were injured during the Zoom crash. I left the meeting for no reason, but I was still recording. You know, I don't know why I confess that, because what I put together, I'm sure, sounded fantastic, and you have no idea what happened at the end of the first half. But I'm just an honest person. I just want to be sharing everything with you our listeners, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, not in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios. Zach, do you miss our house, our, our little podcasting home as much as I do? Yeah, I took a visit yesterday to the office. I gave it a little I gave it a little look and some some comfort. Was uh Fritchin in there? He was. Oh boy. <laughs> Fritchin's got a private office right now. That's really working out well having an office right now. But, totally. Yeah, you know how that goes. Uh, these are strange, strange times. But you have managed to continue to ask us great K-State sports questions, which is the whole premise of this podcast. So that's helpful. We appreciate that. We're sponsored by The Fridge. When you're in town, get into The Fridge. You can shop in-store or outside and get a to-go order. Uh, they will uh, bring it out to you. I don't know how it works, but it's like magic with liquor involved. I'm always interested in that. Also, when we get back up on our feet, make sure you stop in and see our friends at the high-low. Pizza, burgers, great drinks, incredible atmosphere, wonderful staff right there in the heart of Aggieville. Get into the high-low. Man, I miss Aggieville. 
I left the house for the first time in three and a half weeks the other day. I think it was uh, Friday. And uh, I drove. I was the wheel man. That makes me sound cool, by the way. Uh, I was the wheel man. And Becky and I drove down to Aggieville uh, and got some to-go food. And they snuck it through the passenger side window and off we went. And now we have face masks. I have a, I have a K-State-themed face mask from a Twitter follower. And I appreciate it very much. Uh, my wife and I have matching face masks, except mine is much bigger for my giant jug head. Do you wear a face mask, Zach? Have you found a face mask that will fit around your melon? I have not tried finding a face mask yet. I've gone naked. Uh, my friend Ben Warda dropped off some uh, honest-to-goodness Chinese-made face masks that we have, too, some disposable ones. And we got some more on the way. Uh, I think I'm just going to start wearing a face mask with a cowboy hat. Maybe a, just a bandana-themed face mask with a cowboy hat and sunglasses. But not a real cowboy hat. The one that's bent up on the side, rolled up. That kind of non-manly version of the cowboy hat. Basically, I want to become Vince Neal with a face mask. That's my new thing. Got to grow my hair out. I'm into the weeds, aren't I, Zach? I'm, yeah. I'm going to come back. It's your questions from Wild Bass Station. We got some leftovers from last week. Some leftovers because uh, someone forgot to lock the thread and you kept asking questions and they were good questions. And what do we do with these questions? We saved them. They're not milk. They didn't expire. Well, some probably did. We have more of those questions. So here we go. Here's round two of your questions. From KM Wildcat, you are named K-State president. How specifically can K-State address and overcome the financial crisis it is facing? And what answer would you give if the Kansas Board of Regents asked you for a plan to address the financial issues, the dropping enrollment, lack of adequate endowment fund, and the general direction of academic studies? And is there anything that the current president could do to address these issues but is not doing so? Brothels and selling drugs are always an effective way to raise money. And as university president, we will move into uncharted territory for education. I think it's time for the state of Kansas as a whole to stop replicating programs over and over. And there's some tough decisions are going to have to be made. You know, there's certain things that you have to offer at all institutions. I mean, there's some baseline things that need to be offered. Uh, but uh, just because a young man or young woman would prefer to go to Kansas State um, doesn't mean the Kansas State should necessarily have the program that they want. Maybe it's best served that that program is at Kansas or Emporia State or Pitt State or Fort Hayes State or Washburn or, or Wichita State, which I left out in my mind as if the Shockers don't really exist. But uh, we replicate too much, and we don't bend our academic offerings to the marketplace enough. There's a real shortage in health care. Kansas State has responded to that. They're getting into nursing and physician's assistant schools. I know that because my sister is a PA, and she's going to be a faculty member with Kansas State. I don't think the education environment adapts to the, the marketplace enough. I've said it over and over. I think Kansas State should absolutely be offering a degree in brewing and distilling. It's a legitimate market. It's a legitimate workplace. And yet, you know, the, those people that have that experience are getting them on, you know, almost like in a Votech. They go and work and get it. And that's great. But I think there's some science to it that really could be accelerated by offering 
uh, a degree at, at the collegiate level. And I understand that someone has pointed out to me Colorado State does offer something in, in brewing, which is, of course, really huge in Fort Collins. Um, I think there's a lot of things out there in the market. I'd like to see Kansas State on the forefront of, of pushing to study THC, get into the marijuana market, and, and begin to understand what is possible from that, even if it's hemp and things like that. Uh, we should be studying that. This is one of the premier ag institutions. And the fact that this agricultural product that has been deemed uh, illegal by the government there are some great things that this product can do, even if you don't get into the illegalities. But, uh, you know, I've said it over and over. I'm a libertarian. I think it, it grows from God's green earth. We should be able to look at it. I think the a- academic side of things really needs to adapt to the marketplace more and and quit trying to be competitive with your peer institutions within your own state. And I don't see why uh, you you wouldn't see Kansas State starting up a medical school to compete with Kansas. So why are we doing that in other areas? I think as the ag and engineering school, Kansas State should be focused on that. And I would even go as far to say this, Kansas State's lone journalism degree, this is the university from which I graduated and learned a lot about journalism, should be a convergence, one broad-based journalism degree because communications is so important in so many areas. Um, and then most of the journalists should be going to the University of Kansas. Let's stop replicating each other. The Board of Regents needs to really get serious about this and and uh, get some people in there that are going to move the needle in terms of operating the university as a business. Uh, and that might mean lowering prices. Sometimes the best thing a business can do is respond by lowering prices. And we've seen that at Fort Hay State with great success. I take a different little stab at that. I think... Uh, the athletic department shouldn't be separate from the university. That's a ton of money that they don't get. Um, you got to combine those two if you want to fix some of those financial issues uh, at the universities. Actually, athletics pays back to the university. And in most institutions, it's the other way. The university pays athletics, which I like them being separate, but uh, I mean separate. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be separate, it needs to be separate. Uh, basically, right okay. now, uh, Kansas State pays – Kansas State Athletics pays the university – money because they can't operate their own budget worth a damn from km wildcat if chris Kleiman can continue an upward trajectory for the football program is it possible that this could result in a mini snyder-esque upsurge in k-state's enrollment if the program becomes a regular contender for the big 12 title and nationally relevant again and if the program elevation happens would this specifically result in more Kansas kids attending K-State, or is this ratio basically set? It's a great question. Um, I'm a big believer in the John Weefald front porch philosophy. The front porch is not the most important part of your house, but it's what everyone sees when they drive by. It's what everyone wants to congregate on and have a chat and you know maybe a cold beer at a future K-State football game. Athletics is that front porch. And you got to have a really nice front porch to get people in the door sometimes. So, yeah, I think Kleiman can get him. I like the description, a mini Snyder renaissance of, of Kansas State football. And if that happens, you will see a surge in uh, enrollment. And maybe not just from in-state kids. All of a sudden, you become a sexy place to go, you know, for out-of-state kids. This, this state and it's how it handles education, this should be something the state of Kansas does really well. And it's not, and it's shameful. 
again, as a libertarian, I think more of this funding should be coming from the state level. We should be making these decisions at the state level. We should never be sending money to the federal government to get back. That just seems ridiculous. That that basically pays for a federal bureaucracy to survive because it never comes back at 100%. It comes back far less than that if you're just sending off education dollars. I, I just focus on the state. Get your education fixed. And going back to my original plan, if you're a journalism kid and you're a big K-State fan, you might have to go somewhere else if journalism school isn't what you want. Every institution cannot be one-stop shopping for every need in your educational uh, realm. And and so maybe that would limit the growth a little bit. But I, I think uh, the institutions do a, a lot of competing against each other, but there shouldn't be dramatic overlaps in areas. Um, you know, if... If there's overlaps in engineering, maybe it's in the core engineering philosophies, but then specific studies, um, you know, that are a little more targeted can can be divvied up amongst the schools. Just do do it right, and I think Kansas State should be the engineering school where more more of those core things are are settled in. And and if if athletics drives, you know, an increase in enrollment, that's great. That's awesome, and it'd be wonderful for the university. Uh, but I, I hope that we can get to the point where the university sells itself so well, people just want to come here. Learned about this in sports econ class it was the um, the Flutie effect at Boston College when they who they beat Miami or something like that at Florida State. They saw a big spike in enrollment, so I think it definitely can happen. Um, you know, that's what people see on TV all the time. A good athletic program can definitely drive enrollment. University of Maryland, Baltimore County, they beat Virginia and they had a huge enrollment. Increase and and I think that probably was a function of a lot of people in that area of the country all of a sudden doing a little research and saying, "Hey, this is a really it, it, it's a legitimate academic institution." I mean, uh, just because you don't have great sports doesn't mean uh, you're not a great academic institution. Sometimes it works the other way around. So uh, yeah, it puts you into the mindset of people. People then go and do their research, get on the Google machine and look you up and say, "Hey, you know that's a beautiful campus in Manhattan, Kansas." Uh, hey, look, they offer that engineering degree I really want or, or you know, I want to get into brewing sciences and distilling. Uh, you know, again, I, I think K-State undersold their golf course management program. I think that should be a, at the forefront. That's a, that's a huge industry. Uh, K-State should be really pushing that. Uh, that was an indication that K-State was willing to get into new areas, and they should continue to do that. But with athletics – uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you get good advertising, you get good, good PR, it helps you. No matter what your business is, and in this case, the business is um, academics and selling college degrees. From Purple Power 5050, and there's oh. no vowels in there, if you're wondering. This is a brand new person, took advantage of a... They, they got rid of all their U's, E's, and O's and all that? Is purple purr. Yeah, there are no U's, E's, or O's I like in this, this username. I like this person a lot. They get right to business, <laughs> except that yep. they're 50-50 they at the end. Yeah. They took advantage of one of the recent offers, and right now you can get 60% off. Is it 60 right now? PowerCat. It's 60% off right now, so 43 bucks will get you the entire year if you haven't signed up for GoPowerCat. So sign up right now. You can save all the way up until 2021, and hopefully we were playing sports by then no matter what happens um, we'll still be talking 
no matter what happens. We will still we will still be here making content for you. Uh, we just he asked though, or she. We suspect that the social distancing will last until late summer. What do you believe the NCAA will do about fall sports? Will they A, allow competition without fans, B, disallow all competition and players on scholarship and disallow all competition and then the players that are on scholarship lose the year, C, disallow competition and then give everyone on scholarship granted a gray shirt type of situation or D, play ball as normal? Uh, well, it won't be B. I mean, nobody's going to lose any eligibility over this if they're not competing. Uh, they'll you know, kick that can down the road. It's kind of like if you join the military, uh, Norris Coleman, great K-State basketball player. I don't know how old he was when he was playing, but he joined the military, and it kind of it just pauses your clock. So this would pause everyone's clock if there's no competition. Uh, I think we'll have competition in the fall. I don't know if I'm an outlier on that. Um, but here's why, and this gets back to everything we've been talking about in this half of the podcast. This is a business, and academic institutions around the country will not function unless they get back to business. And I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, I don't know if we're going to have delays here and there, but places like Kansas State need to have their campuses open and need to get back to business. The realities of that may not work out that way. But I think as we get closer and closer, there'll be more and more push to find ways to deal with this virus, even without a vaccine. Uh, you know, the flu vaccine isn't 100%. We survive, and most people don't get the flu vaccine on an annual basis. And yet, we go through things and people make it uh, without catching the flu. I know this is very contagious. I, you, I, I'm tired of the lectures on on why we can't function as a society. The reality is this. If we don't find a way to get back to business, this nation will collapse as we know it, period. We're already going to lose so many small businesses. People just seem to think small businesses are magical places that will survive no matter what. Uh, I bet you when this is all done, we'll see a lot of empty storefronts in Aggieville. Or maybe they'll come back for a while and then, then collapse. And we're going to see some academic institutions collapse if they don't get the funding to support themselves from the state or federal government. So I, I think they need to get back to business. Now, there may not be crowds or it might be very limited crowds. I don't know. But I think we'll have sports in the fall. Uh, and I think as a society, we need that. And I think uh, baseball will lead the way and find a way to start getting on the field here this summer with some form of competition. And and really, the, probably the key to that is is accurate fast testing to see who's uh, in and out, who can be uh, competing that day and who can't. I agree with you, Fitz. I think we'll have sports. Um, I think it'll be kind of like how the Big 12 tournament was going to ha- end up being um, only essential personnel, no fans. Uh, I think no fans at all. I know the Big 12 was allowing 125 fans per team. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think there's not going to be any fans at all. It'll be refs, scorekeepers, you know, essential staff, but that is it. I think we will have sports, but Nothing else. No other fans. And, Zach, from my standpoint, if we continue uh, and they have sports in the fall with no fans, uh, media would be allowed. I will not be attending until I feel better about this situation. You know, I think there's a level of self-responsibility here that needs to come into play. 
Uh, and maybe that's too much to ask from people. But I know this. If we're allowed to attend as media, I will not be one of 50, 60, 100 people, whatever the number is, in a confined press box until we have this thing under better control. I can't do it. I can't afford it. Um, and I will not blame any of you that don't want to do it to yourselves. We'll find a way to deal with it. We'll find a way to cover these sports from a distance if we have to. But there's a level of self-responsibility here that really comes into play uh, that if you are compromised like I am, you're in charge of your health. Um, And this need to have government tell you what to do and how to do it just bothers me. Uh, And I I understand that some people are just idiots and they're not going to pay any attention. But the country has to get back to business. Uh, Hell with sports. Whether it's sports or, or going into a store and, you know, having your fabric store that is an essential business open to customers, we have to get back to business. We can't, this can't continue. And I sense this almost zeal for some, just a small fraction of the country that just wants to see what happens if, if we don't have any, anything going on for a year and maybe bring us to our knees and humble us. And I, I'm just kind of disturbed by the politics of this on all sides of this, this thing. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. Let's figure out how to get by on a day-to-day basis with this if we can. I think that games will be played behind closed doors for the foreseeable future once they get back. But college football, half of it is the experience of being with people. I mean, that's what college football is, is the pageantry, the tailgating, the band. You know, it's it's more than just the game itself. And college football without fans is going to be very different. But I think we need it. I'm betting people um... – We'll tailgate at home with their friends, and they'll all go in the basement and watch together. Man, you won't be in a – you'll be in more of a controlled environment. You won't be just passing by some guy that coughs on you. You'll you'll know everyone in the room. And if if uh, Ryan's over there in the corner coughing, we beat the crap out of him and throw him in the yard. That's how we're going to handle this. <laughs> Newbie. Newbie. From Exhausted Nihilist. Assuming that the football season still takes place, but spring practices are called off, do you see any particular team that would perhaps take advantage and outperform the rest of the Big 12 Conference? Man, I'd have to look at the rosters, but any team that has a lot of veterans on it. I mean, you take Kansas, which is going to suck anyhow, but they're trying to put in a new offense and they lost spring football. I mean, that's just horrible. Baylor is changing all of its systems. That doesn't work. Um, I'd have to kind of dig in and see who has the most veteran rosters. I think in some ways K-State would be an advantage, but also with that offensive line being rebuilt, it wouldn't be good. I don't know. There's, There will be some teams out of this will have a uh, great advantage. And no matter what happens right now, losing the summer and any off-season trips and any playing in the gym together, K-State basketball is at a huge disadvantage because they're rebuilding the roster. Um, and so it's just, it's going to have this unintended consequences all across our society, including in college football. Uh, I think K-State will be okay with limited practices, uh, but uh, I think there will be some programs that really suffer from it. And I'd have to really look at who what the veteran rosters are. Um, if you're loaded with veterans, you're going to be at an advantage in college football and, and stable coaches. From KNED. What are your thoughts on a spring football season, as Chris Fowler mentioned, being possible? And unlike his partner, Kirk Herbstreet, Fowler usually has his ducks in a row before he speaks. That's a, that's a whole nother idea. Um, let's, let's look at what could come of this. I, I think it's possible that out of necessity, they do do football after the new year. Or 
they split it. Um, well, you'll play half the season in November, early December, and then come back in January, February. With that, on the heels of that, do we move basketball into a calendar year sport starting in January and ending in May with May Madness? Something we've talked about. Something I think would be good for the sport um, to be a one-semester sport that really isolated uh, post-football eventually. Um, but it might be a way now to essentially be playing football during the non-conference or early conference part of your basketball season. There's going to be some creative ideas like baseball looking at playing in Arizona, Florida, or all Arizona, playing at spring training facilities. There'll be some interesting ideas that come out of this. But moving the season is something I think is very tangible, particularly if moving the season means fans. Because, Zach, you said it perfectly. The experience of college football just isn't the game. It's the camaraderie, the the neighborhood, the tailgating, all of that. You know, you get together and wear your team colors and yell your face off. If we can back it up to make it safe and not lose the season, I think that's very, very possible. I'm all all in on it. I'd like to see us back in business by, um, you know, September, but maybe that doesn't happen. And, you know, I don't want anyone to – because people like to – twist words and now in our society and latch on to one thing at no point am i saying if this thing is running wild we should just ignore that and go ahead and play sports it's not what all i'm saying i'm saying we we've got to really strive to work and find a way that we can deal with this as a society until we have a safe vaccine um and and just keep moving forward uh, we've got to find a way to overcome and not just get on our knees until we can stand back up yeah there's a point where I mean, obviously, everyone that loses their life, that's terrible. But you got to realize at some point, the economic impact on our society is can be greater than, you know, any amount of deaths that, you know, happen. So obviously, it's a weird situation. But back to spring football, you know, when do you make that decision if you decide that you're going to have games in the spring? Because everything now, you know, we have no idea what life will be like in a month or two or three from now. So I think the spring football idea is you know, it can happen, but you know, when exactly do you make that decision? Because if you cancel the fall season, are you officially saying we're playing spring football, but you don't know how the virus is going to be in the spring. So I think it's just a weird question. Yeah, I, I agree. It's hard to project people. We're only a month plus into this and, and yeah. people are asking questions that we're supposed to have answers for five months down the road. We only have, you know, you go back to the Big 12 tournament. That's really when the NBA canceled. That's when most of us as a nation started dealing with this. And and to sit here and have people that aren't medical experts, including myself, deciding what's going to happen in May, September, December, next March, we don't we're not equipped. We don't have the information. It's it's a lot to ask and I know we're all so curious, but We need to just keep advancing, keep battling, keep figuring out how to deal with this. We're flattening the curve, uh, a phrase that I'm really sick of, but it's, uh, you know, obvious what it means. Uh, We're overcoming this. And, and, uh, you know, I kept hearing about how bad this would be, bad this would be. Well, maybe our stay at home has worked, even though a lot of us uh, didn't stay at home as much as we should. Maybe Maybe I'm just meant not to be around people. Maybe it was just me, Zach. Maybe <laughs> maybe once I stayed at home, society started to function a little bit better. Let's just admit it. 
my thought on this is I think that there will be shifts temporarily temporary or not. I think there will be seasons shifted around come fall slash spring. But I think that there will be at least one league worldwide, whether it's English premier league soccer or, you know, the NBA MLB, whatever. I think that somebody will change their season permanently and make it a permanent change where they play their games based on how this, this virus ends up playing out. I think that there's this kind of gives the opportunity for leagues to reset and say, Hey, is there a more optimal time to play our league compared to everyone else or where we want to play, especially with March madness, move it to may where it's not competing with, you know, you're not competing with football for the last two, two and a half months of the, the football season. So I think that there can be some good ideas that could come from this as to, as far as where you want to play your season at. I'm all for moving basketball. I just think it would function better January to, to May to May. And what's going on with my voice? Jan- <laughs> <laughs> Don't edit that out. Yeah. January to May. Yeah, I shouldn't. Uh, the moment that the Rona got fits live on a podcast. <laughs> it's just allergies. We have another new member, Campy3507, took advantage of a deal. So welcome, Campy. Welcome. welcome. Praying that this does not happen, but if football doesn't happen this fall, what players from this year's roster would you most want to stay, assuming the NCAA allows it? And he wants us to pick three players. So example would be like uh, a super senior year with Skylar Thompson or move on to the next guy. Yeah. I'd start with Skylar Thompson. I mean, you have a veteran quarterback back, um, even more maturity. Wyatt Hubert would be of the age to go to the NFL, and I think he's physically getting there very quickly. Um, Justin Hughes. Damn it, poor Justin Hughes is going to be a 40-year-old man by the time he gets his senior season in. <laughs> Justin Hughes. He's already Marcus Watts' thing. He's going to be on a sixth season. Does it become a seventh season if they have to cancel this one and give him a redo? I just want the kid to be able to play his senior season. I'll go Skylar Thompson, White Hubert. I agree with both of those. I'll go Malik Knowles just because I don't know if we've seen his full potential yet. Um Giving him an extra year of eligibility, I think, would help him out a lot. What year is Malik? Is he only a junior? Yeah, be a junior, uh, but yeah. I guess why would be a junior too? But I guess I didn't really think about players going to the league. But all of those are pretty good. I agree with Pitts. Yeah, he got, I got the Zach stamp of approval. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I didn't. <clears throat> No, no, you suck. Well, I didn't agree with the Malik Knowles. Okay, fine. I'm a noob. I mean, that's okay, but I don't. I think that why if we're going to pick players going to the NFL draft after three seasons, I'd pick yeah. Wyatt Hubert ten times out of ten over Malik. But that's just well, it was me. three players, so I did pick Hubert. Take that, Zach. Yeah, the Z and Gill stand Hughes. for zero. <laughs> I want Justin Hughes to play two from Tarkat Ryan. Does K-State gain or lose momentum with football recruiting when they can't host? Uh, Taylor Bratt is a closer, and the facilities are better than most competitors. Can K-State overcome those challenges? I'm I'm just going to say this. I'm really thankful that this is going on now with a staff that is more nimble when it comes to social media and being able to adapt to new ways of doing things. I think K-State would be in big trouble if – you know, Coach Snyder was 
still in charge and firmly entrenched on how they do things. So I think K-State can adapt and will adapt to this. And Chris Kleiman and Taylor Bratt and everyone associated with football recruiting will do whatever they have to do within the rules and within the realm of possibility to make this survivable. And uh, I think they're going to get pretty creative. I think that we've got a lot of young people in the football department and in the social media side of it with Kenny Lanou and staff. They're going to get very creative on how to make this work. And I'm almost intrigued and excited to see what they're going to come up with to continue to sell Kansas State via a new way of doing business. Last question of the podcast from Chris66204. What is the most athletic football play you've ever seen a K-State player make? Easy. This was because easy. he knows it's a vague description, but I'm intentionally leaving it to your discretion. It was that one time I went to the ice cream machine and had to cut through <laughs> all the tables up in the press box. and I went untouched and got in there and bam, got the drumstick I wanted and got back and never missed a play of the game. It was athleticism at its nth degree. This is easy for me. This was... You're- this was your K-State uh, player, uh, Frank Murphy's diving Superman catch. And I know that uh, Tyler Lockett did one later, but Frank did it against Iowa State 97, 98, somewhere in there, um, full stretched uh, and actually was flying. He didn't dive to catch to catch the ball. He seemed to fly for about five, ten yards, caught the ball, arms fully extended on his fingertips, brought it in. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Because it was just a sideline pattern. Frank was so fast. I mean, he was right up there with any of the fastest players in K-State football history. And he just stretched out all the way. And my photographer at the time, Jeff Taylor, had a remarkable Superman photo of him stretched out. And it was uh, incredible. It was incredible. And to go with that would be not Tyler Lockett. It would be his dad, Kevin Lockett. Uh, Every game would be a one-handed circus catch, including... You know, the infamous ones of him going up, uh, catching it with one hand, having his legs taken out for underneath him, and he's doing a complete flip and still hanging onto the ball. Kevin Lockett uh, should have been in Cirque du Soleil. I don't know what he would have done, but he's uh, body control and ability to catch the ball with one hand and, and not be distracted by everything else going on was just unimaginable. Can I give a basketball answer? Sure. I'll go Marcus Foster back in 2014. We're playing Gonzaga in Wichita. And then it was, um, Stockton, John Stockton's son. I think his name was David Stockton tried to go up and draw a charge and Foster just absolutely posterized him. So I was trying to think of a football moment. I can't, I can't think man, but that was definitely my favorite basketball moment. Wasn't there a moment Daniel Sams hurdled a guy? I think there was, or was he yeah. just, or did he just do that weird, like kind of high step thing when he was trying to run? He got addicted to that. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember if I'm remembering the little sidestep or if I'm remembering I'm actually jumping over a guy. And I think that those both did happen. But I think that that's my answer. At the very least, Daniel Sams was very athletic, and he could make the most athletic play that I've ever seen. To review the answers to this question, we have Frank Murphy, Kevin Lockett, Daniel Sams, Marcus Foster, along with Tim Fitzgerald going to the ice cream Freezer. So I think that's a pretty comprehensive answer to end the podcast on. I think this says it all about my ability to get to snacks that I'm on that level. That's it for the power cap questions podcast. We'll be back on Friday with the overtime. 
Uh, we also have coming up uh, this week another Life of Fitz podcast. Uh, I hope you caught the Michael Bishop one. It was, it was great to catch up with Mike, a good hour-long discussion. And then also we uh, have my friend Johnny Kane. He used to be in Topeka and Kansas City TV and now covers sports in Detroit, a very entertaining one. Next week on Life of Fitz, Greg Sharp will join me. And a lot of good stuff cooking. Uh, and these Powercat questions and overtime podcasts will continue to churn. And maybe we'll throw in a Sources podcast once in a while as someone else can catch up and, and go talk to someone. We appreciate everyone that has joined the site. We've had a nice little surge in membership, and we are doing the 60% off right now as we record this. These specials come and go. Take advantage of them when you can and become part of the family at GoPowerCat.com, where you can trust what we report. You've been listening to the PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.